All right, it's good to see you today. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. Um, Thursday had some technical issues and wasn't able to uh, upload it correctly. Um, so I've just moved it to where it'll happen on Tuesday, and we're going to be going through the book of Hosea today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas, and I hope that you're enjoying our journey through Scripture. Um, we, we will go through uh, it's, uh, every chapter of Hosea. It's not a, not a long book, um, but uh, I think it's important just to, to do it all at once. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about you know, the northern southern kingdom, uh, the prophets that are primarily to this point, they are focused on the northern kingdom, uh, which is the, uh, called Israel. Um, the southern kingdom is called Judah. Um, also, you'll hear a lot uh, in Hosea um, talking about Ephraim. That's that's the northern kingdom. All right, so that's that's the same same place that we're looking at. Uh, Hosea is a prophet. I believe he's the only prophet that is native to the northern kingdom, um, and so God calls him to go and to um, basically to warn and to tell the people, "Here's what is coming." Um, it's it's kind of. And not necessarily, it's nearly the time is too late. Um, this is, you know, the things are already set in motion. The people have rebelled against from God for long enough. And so now um, it's going to be a struggle for them. And, and they're going to, uh, well, there's a phrase in the scripture. It says they're going to reap the whirlwind. Um, it's going to be difficult. But Hosea is there um, to share this, but also to give them a message of hope. A uh, message of redemption, of how God wants to restore that relationship, um, even though the people at this point clearly don't want a relationship with God. And so Hosea, there's kind of two aspects to it. There's, there's the bulk of the book is, is talking about what Israel has done and Judah also. It calls out Judah as well. Um, what they've done, how they have rebelled. Um, it's different from Amos. Amos focused more on the, um, on how the, uh, leadership and and the people had disregarded the poor, had taken advantage of um, of of the less fortunate, um, kind of um, those types of actions that that the nation was being condemned for. Um, this specifically is talking about how the people um, have prostituted themselves um, out to other gods, basically, um, and so the the people are now. Uh, following other gods and worshiping Baal and things like that, and they have turned their back on God. Um, and so that's what the bulk of the passage is. Um, but it's also surrounded by the the marriage of Hosea and what God calls Hosea. Um, you know, there's different different thoughts on this. You know, but uh, but it's clear the message that is being sent um, and the picture of Hosea's marriage um, and his children are a an example of of God's relationship with the people of Israel and how that they have rebelled and yet God is going to uh seek to restore that relationship and it's really a beautiful story it's a beautiful story of of God's love for us uh that even even when we uh, commit adultery against God, that he still pursues us, that he still desires to be in a relationship with us, and at the same time. We see that the consequences of um, leaving God, of trying to go our own way, are very real and and impact the society around us. So Hosea starts off, um, uh, 
It says, the Lord began to speak to Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, go, take yourself a wife and harlotry uh, of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the lands has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Right? So he said, uh, you go and you find someone to marry who is already uh, a prostitute, who has already uh, been unfaithful, um, right? because he's, he's comparing that to the people. Um, and saying, the, the people have departed from me. So Hosea went and took Gomer, uh, the daughter of uh, Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, uh, which means God scatters. Um, all of these names are very important in their meaning. Hosea actually means salvation. Uh, Jezreel means God scatters. So the people are being scattered uh, because they have been uh, unfaithful. It says, I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. It shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bore a daughter. And then God said to him, call her Lo Ramah, which means no mercy uh, or unloved. That's what that name literally means. For I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword or battle, but by horses or horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo-Ramah and conceived and bore a son, then God said, Call his name Lo-Ami, which means not my people says, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. All right, so this is, this is very in-your-face language. Um, the people would have been either shocked um, or th- those who were legitimately concerned would recognize the significance and the gravity of this situation. Whenever God says, you are not my people, and I will not be your God, um, that is to get attention. Um, right now, now does that that mean that God is is completely done with that relationship? No, it does not. Um, but He's at a point to where that relationship has now been broken, and there are going to be consequences that have to be paid. Um, but that doesn't mean that God is still not going to be pursuing the people. And remember, make sure you're applying these thoughts as you're reading this passage. Apply them to you as well. I think they both apply on a society level um, as well as an individual le- level. Then uh, then it goes right into the restoration of Israel. Right? So it says, for you are not my people and I will not be your God. Then it says, yet the number of the children of Israel shall, shall be as the sand of the sea. That language right there is a reminder. It links directly back with how many times God promised uh, Abraham. And then he did it again with uh, Jacob that the, the people would uh, continue to increase. It says, which cannot be measured or numbered, it shall come to pass in a place where it is said to them, you are not my people there. It shall be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head. So it's, it's showing that God will restore them. But at the per- current time, they're going to be going through a lot. Um, so then we have uh, chapter two and starts talking about how uh, the people are being unfaithful. And it's it's comparing it to an adulterous relationship, which is what it 
very literally was. So one of the things that was going on is lots of Baal worship. So they were not worshiping God. They were worshiping Baal. One of the main things that you had in that worship, um, there was, it was very sexualized and there would be temple prostitutes. And that was part of the, the, the rituals that would be performed. So not only are they uh, committing adultery against God as far as breaking that covenantal relationship, that they are going outside of that relationship to worship another God, they very literally are also um, committing sexual sins uh, in that process. And more than likely, there were people that were committing adultery and using the excuse that this was a religious ritual um, as, as kind of their scapegoat. Um, I promise you that will not be a good excuse um, if you ever go home and tell your wife that hey, it was just part of the religious experience. It doesn't work, and it doesn't work with God. And so he, he continues to go on, and he talks about all the ways that they have. And I, I encourage you, again, read through this. Uh, it, it's, it's not a long read, um, but it just kind of keeps talking about how the people are rebellious and how they have uh, uh, given over themselves to search other gods and to follow other gods. And, and we need to be, be on guard because we are all susceptible to doing that. Uh, verse 13 says, uh, so I will make them a forest and the beast of the field shall eat them. I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense. She decked herself with earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but she forgot me, says the Lord. I, that is the that is the reason that this relationship is at a breaking point. Um, but then it goes right in, starts talking about that God will have mercy. It says, and it shall be in that day, says the Lord, this is verse 16 of chapter 2, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. For I will take from her mouth the name of the Baals and she shall be remembered by their name no more. See, because what's going to happen is whenever you, the people are going to be enduring the punishment of God, it's going to feel like God is a master, right? They're not going to feel that God loves them. They're, they're going to be questioning, God, why are you doing this? You're, why, why are you treating us this way? And, and so they may start to follow God, but it's because they view him as a master and, and they look at the consequences. And so they say, well, I, now we're going to have to follow God because we don't want the negative consequences. That's not why God wants us to follow him. And they says, there will be that time where you will call me my husband, not call me my master, right? Because a husband is not the master of the wife, right? The husband is the protector is the, the, the lover, the, the friend, the encourager. They, they are a, a team working together, right? Um, and, and I, I love that, that difference that is seen there because God knows that they're going to kind of feel like God is that master for a while, but that is not what he desires. He desires for them to, to, to be in a relationship with him that sees him as a loving husband who is there to protect and there to encourage. Um, but whenever that relationship is broken, there are going to be consequences. And, uh, and so we, we see that. Uh, we see talking about God's mercy the rest of chapter 2. Uh, then in uh, chapter 3 is kind of the end of the Hosea uh, narrative. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery 
just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and who love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I brought her for myself, for, bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver. Uh, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor, you, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice, sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the later days. So, but basically what uh, Gomer has left Hosea is usually how this is interpreted um, and is committing adultery. And God says, go back to her and restore her. Um, but, but there's going to be a time of adjustment, right? There's going to be a time of, of, of seeking repentance, of finding forgiveness. Um, so that, that is the, the picture, the, the big picture of what's going on between God and the people of Israel. And it's, it's a beautiful picture of love and restoration. Um, however, most of it is of turmoil and of difficulty and of, uh, of, facing the consequences of sin. Then we go, I, I, I continue just, uh, to, to read through. I'll just hit some highlights in chapter 4. talks about some of the charges against Israel. Uh, verse 4, chapter there in the second part of chapter, or verse 1, says, There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, kill, killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break, break all restraint. With bloodshed upon bloodshed, therefore the land will mourn, and everyone who dwells there will waste away. Um, kind of seems like our society, right? There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Unfortunately, that's becoming more and more true. Um, verse 7 says, The more they increased, the more they sinned against me. So the more comfortable, the more profitable, the more they increased, the more important people became, the less, or the more they sinned against God. Said the idolatry of Israel in verse 11, har harlotry of wine and new wine enslaved the heart. My people ask counsel from their wooden idols. Their staff informs them, for the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray, and they have played the harlot against their God. Um, we need to be looking at the ways in our life that we may play the harlot against God. Um, it's, uh, this clearly is one of those things that, that God takes extremely seriously. So as we uh, continue, uh, you go into verse 5. It talks about the judgments on Israel and on Judah. Um, uh, verse 6, or chapter 6, uh, is a call to repent, uh, repentance. It says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has been torn, but he will heal us. He is stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth to establish in the morning. He will come to us like the rain and like the latter and former rain to the earth. Right. So it, throughout here, we're we talk about the, the failings of the people and their harlotry towards God, but we're also always seeing God's offer of repentance, but it takes repentance. It takes acknowledging that you were wrong and turning and starting to follow him. 
Um, Chapter 7 continues uh, on, talks about how all their kings had fallen, and none of them calls me by my name. Right, so the the leadership of Israel had become completely pagan, and none were calling on the Lord's name. Um, the, it talks about reliance on the other nations, starting to rely on other things other than God. Uh, uh, chapter eight talks about the apostasy of Israel again, them seeking other gods. Uh, verse seven says they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Right, you reap what you sow. So the people are starting to rely on political um, uh, relationships with Assyria and, and all these other places. Well, they're going to reap the whirlwind of doing that. They should have relied on God. Um, uh, verse 14 says, For Israel has forgotten his maker and has built temples. Judah has uh, multiplied, m- multiplied fortified cities, but I will send fire upon his cities, and it shall devour his palaces. Right? So both uh, countries actually prospered and had times where they were doing well, but yet it was in those times that they f- moved further and further away from a relationship with God. And it talks about judgment of Israel's sin. Do not rejoice, O Israel, with joy like other peoples, for you have played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor. The threshing floor in the wine press shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. Right. So again, just this constant reminder of what's going on. Uh, chapter 10 talks about Israel's sin and captivity. Uh, it says, for now they, they say we have no king because we did not fear the Lord. And as for a king, what would he do for us? Right. There's going to be that time where they, they no longer have control. They are now being taken into captivity. Um, verse 12 says, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mer- mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way in the multitude of your mighty men. Therefore, tumult shall arise uh, among your people and fortresses shall be plundered. Right. So it's, it's talking about here's what you have done. But you know what? You can start to change. You can start to sow mercy rather than sowing all those things that lead to discord and a broken relationship with God. Chapter 11, is God's continuing love for Israel is is really powerful. Make sure you read chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. I called him out of Egypt. But then, then they, then they sacrificed to Baals. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love. And it says, he shall not return to the land of Egypt uh, because they refused to repent. So he's talking about how much he loves them, but because they're not repenting, they are going to face the natural consequences of living by your own standards and not God's standards. Uh, Verse 7 says, My people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the Most High, none of them exalt him. Then it says, How can I give give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? Um, My heart churns within me. My sympathy is is, uh, stirred. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger, for I am God and not man. (laughs) Thankfully, right? that he is not going to give us what we deserve. But that doesn't mean that we won't suffer consequences of sinfulness. Um, 
continues chapter 12, more charges of what's going on. Um, the judgment uh, in Israel in chapter 13, it says, Yet I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt, and you shall know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Right? Then, and, uh, and it says, I, I knew you in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. But when they had pasture, they were filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. So now everything has been given to them and says, therefore, they forgot me. Right. So whenever we become uh, too privileged, too well off, it is easy for us to forget God and begin going our own way. And then uh, verse uh, chapter 14 uh, talks about how Israel will be restored. Uh, it says, O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. So God is a God of restoration, but he's also a God. Um, he is a jealous God, right? He calls us to be in a relationship with him and to seek him and to exalt him and to live our lives in response to him. And when we don't do that on an individual level, and also on a societal level, the more we as a society try to go our own way without relying on the foundational truths uh, of God and him as creator, then it, it ends and leads to chaos. It leads to destruction. It leads to, to pain and suffering. Um, and I think as you read through that, you'll see similarities in our society around us, which is why it's important for us to repent as individuals and to be praying for the repentance uh, of others, right? And that's why we need to be sharing the message uh, of hope that comes from, from God and the, the relationship that God desires to have. Hosea desired to have a relationship with his wife even after she had been unfaithful. He kept pursuing her and seeking her. Now, there were consequences to pay, and it wasn't easy. But he continued to extend that love just as God continues to extend love to us, to, to his people. And he is calling us back to a relationship with him. All right. For Thursday, read the first six chapters of Isaiah and also 2 Kings chapter 15. So 2 Kings chapter 15, but the first six chapters of Isaiah. All right. We'll see you on Thursday.